So well, I guess before we begin, um, a quick announcement for Abraham class on March 20, um, oh, what is it? March 21st? March, yeah, March 21st. Uh, we have the author of Abraham um, coming on to um, answer any questions, etc. Um, thanks so much for, for Padgett's, Kayla, for, for talking and uh, getting that all organized for us. I'm so excited uh, to be talking with, with Doug Clark and stuff. I'm going to be um, submitting some questions to, um, uh, I call it, I guess, Doug, uh, Douglas, very formal, but I'm um, going to be submitting some questions this week to him so that he can kind of prep ahead of time. Um, so yeah, if you wanna uh, have any additional questions, email those over to me and, and we'll go ahead and forward those on. Um, but yeah, super excited about that. So that's going to be the week, I believe that it's chapter 11 that we normally would be studying that week. And so that'll kind of push it back uh, uh, one week for, for that. Um, but yeah, so what kind of experiences and things did you guys have with the, the homework assignments? Um, studying the, the choices given to the three Nephites, uh, John the Beloved, etc., and um, lectures on faith, King Follett's sermon, any of those things. Any interesting things you want to talk about or, or discuss before we dive in? And if not, that's totally fine. I, I'm sure it'll come out when we're, we're kind of discussing those parts. I just want to apologize because I've been gone for the last two weeks. And I fell down my stairs. Oh, shoot. <laughs> and I landed. The first time was funny. Oh. Second time, not funny. And um, so as I laid there crying because I couldn't get up, I learned so many beautiful lessons about slowing down, <laughs> taking my time and being grounded and not always up in the clouds. And so I learned some really good lessons, but I couldn't walk for about a week. And so I, I couldn't get on. It was horrible. But anyway, so I just wanted to tell you guys, I really missed you guys so much and I'm excited to be back. Yeah, we miss you too. I didn't do the homework, but I <laughs> love hearing about it. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, Cameron, I have a little bit on the King Follett sermon I found really interesting. Yeah. I've been uh, listening to some, I have, um, the Education Week was virtual this year, and so I've been just uh, listening to those classes, and there's one there on the, the vision, the section 76. And he was talking about that. And, and he said that um, he, he, Joseph Smith was told not to, to give it all. Just he, he was told what part he could give because the people weren't ready for the whole thing at this point. And about a decade later, he told the people that it, he was only able to give about a hundredth of, of the vision at that point. But towards the end of his life, he was giving little bits and pieces of it as he thought the people were getting ready for it. And in this um, class, they said that the King Follett sermon was exactly this. He was, it, he was given this in April of 1844, which is the year that the prophet died and was martyred. And anyway, um, so he was, he thought the people were ready for some more. And so that's what is in this King Follett sermon is more of this uh, section 76 vision. That's a little uh, deeper stuff. And, and I, I listened to the King Follett sermon this week and it, it is, it's, it's, it's great. So if you get a chance to go over that, it has some really, really good stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Loved it. <clears throat> yeah, the first time I was introduced to King Follett's sermon was on my mission. And um, as one of my companions and uh, shared it with me and I was like blown away how I've never heard of it before or anything. And uh, it's rocked my world ever since. Um, but yeah, I feel that it, it plays a lot into chapter seven here. 
Um, yeah, any other insights before we dive right into uh, chapter seven here? So it starts off with a bang and, and ends with a bang. I, I love chapter seven so much. Um, we dive right into this um, topic of fearing. So um, fearing God or fearing man. Um, and, and my question that I post to you after reading this is what is your stance on fear and how does it play a role in our higher ordinances of the gospel? Um, when should we fear God? When should we not fear? Uh, what, what say you? <laughs> Well, last time, Cameron, this is Elle. I didn't speak because I was trying to fix dinner. So, but I, I dug out an old newsletter that I used to do the Relief Society newsletter and picked a topic and it was all about reverence and awe and fear of God. And so I have a bunch that I can probably share to the things, but I will read one scripture that I had on it. It says, happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hearkeneth hardened his heart unto the Lord will fall into mischief. And that's from Proverbs. So, and then there's a bunch of, there's a Ted talk about awe and wonder. Mm -hmm. And then there was a quote by, I think a Jewish um, rabbi about how awe precedes faith and is at the root of faith. So, and, and he talks about how we've lost the wonder and majesty of who God is. Mm -hmm. um, and then that, if we don't have that, we can sometimes lose our faith because we don't realize how grand and glorious God really is. Mm -hmm. And so we have to, and then there's a, a wonderful quote by D. Todd Christofferson that says, the importance of having a sense of the sacred is simply this. If one does not appreciate holy things, we will lose them. Absence mm -hmm. of feeling of reverence, he will grow increasingly casual in his attitude and lax in his conduct. Therefore, he, he will care only about his own comfort and satisfying his uncontrolled appetites. Finally, he will become to despise sacred things, even God, and then he will despise himself. On the other hand, if with a sense of the sacred, one grows in understanding and truth, the Holy Spirit becomes his frequent and constant companion. Mm -hmm. I love those. Yeah, I would love if you'd share those on, on the site there. We, yeah, there's a lot more. It's just bits and, and pieces. I'd forgotten I'd written yeah. it a long time ago. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I find this, this fear principle very interesting as it relates to our higher covenants and higher blessings. Um, so here on the page, uh, 144, um, for those that, that don't have a book, it's in between footnote six and seven. Um and so here's what God told Abraham. And then Abraham's response is on the next page, 145, um, uh, just a little bit below the midway point uh, in between footnotes. Um, let's see. So like 15 and 19. I don't even see like 16 and stuff in there. But anyway, um, uh, right before, right after uh, footnote 15. So um, it says what God told Abraham, according to Genesis, was Fear not, Abraham, I am the shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And then Abraham's response was, oh, okay, so if I'm not supposed to fear, Lord God, what wilt thou give me seeing I go childless? Like, it seems like a disproportionate response, like it doesn't make sense. And if we are really diving into this chapter, we, we understand fear in deeper and more meaningful way. And um, I want us to put on our symbolism glasses with the temple and, and all of that. And here, it, the, the fear is basically, um, don't be afraid to ask for any blessing you want. Like, fear not that I'm going to reprimand you for wanting too much or anything like that. Like, go ahead and ask the desires of your heart kind of a thing. And then Abraham goes right into the blessing that he's always wanted. And, and that's the, the children to, to be a father of many nations kind of thing. And, um, how do I, how do I seek that and, and go for it? And so it, it really lends itself to our modern um, endowment and, and our blessings that we're seeking and, and what is wanted. Uh, do we want or know what blessings we can even ask for? 
and, and where do we ask for those uh, kind of a thing. I, I found that very insightful here as we were reading this, this chapter. Um, on, on the bottom of page 145, I have written in big, bold letters, this is the most important part of the book for me. Um, of all the things in all of the book, this part, understanding this principle, first, that there are higher blessings to, to be sought and asked for, and that even a lowly person like me can ask for them, um, given the, the right steps and stuff. Like, this was huge for my understanding, that it's not just prophets and, and uh, these great, magnificent men that can ask God for specific blessings, ask for huge blessings to, to be given to them. And we are, as we're proceeding through the endowment and um, getting shown what the, the possibilities are, and, and then uh, kind of at the veil asking, well, all right, now what do you want? <laughs> kind of thing. Which of all of these things do you want? And like um, John Pontius, uh, quoting from his, uh, paraphrasing from his book, um, so we need to start looking at the scriptures more as a mail order catalog rather than just something that, that happened to some uh, great people long ago kind of a thing. And so uh, that's what really changed for me this week. Um, this chapter is, has changed my life and opened my eyes to the, the blessings of Abraham and how accessible they really are to everyone, not just the, the elites of, of God as we kind of set people up on, on pedestals kind of a thing. Um, but that God really wants to share all of these blessings with us. Um, I have written yeah, down right. here. Yeah, for sure. Oh, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. When you're done. I just have a comment when you're done. Oh, well, um, mine kind of takes us in a little tangent of it. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, so a thought that's coming to my mind to share is, you know, sometimes we, we question approaching the Lord. We question our questions and desires, right? And um, I think it's important for us to know that the adversary is very active and very aware of our timing of questions, what we want, what we desire. And um, the example that I'm feeling impressed to share is that um, it's very important for us to understand deceit in those questions. And um, I had received a really really heavy but beautiful piece of revelation um and I was like held under this umbrella of protection and had a beautiful week really learning and understanding and growing through this revelation and after the week I couldn't get anything I couldn't get an answer I couldn't get anything and um I was talking with my sister about it and she's like hey you know this is how I pray and this is how I get revelation you know maybe try it see if it helps mix it up a little bit. So I went into meditation, began, opened up my computer and started the way she kind of talked to me about. And as I, as I prayed, um, nothing was coming, nothing at all. Right. And so all of a sudden I hear this beautiful, sweet answer of just, this is not the way for you to receive revelation. This is the way your sister does, you know, you need to stick to what you do. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm so sorry, you know, and I just poured out a prayer of gratitude and love and finished and went to bed. Well, four o'clock in the morning, I'm shaken out of my bed. The room is full of light. And the Lord says, you have been deceived. Sit up. You can receive revelation any way you want. And he began to teach me about how Satan's angels, Satan can mimic the Holy Ghost. He mimics angels. He mimics kindness. He mimics a whisper. And, and it sounded right to me. I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. If that's how she does it, that's okay. I'm, I'm so sorry. Just thought I would try, you know, and it was deceit. And through that night, I dictated for about two hours answers and revelation on how to not be deceived. And so I think it's important for us when we do have those, those big desires, those true desires of the heart to cast out, shield up, make sure that we are in protection mm -hmm. when we take those to the Lord, because the adversary can whisper, 
The adversary can make us think that it was a small, silent, loving voice that w- that had no harm to it. It was, I mean, I really was like, yeah, that's okay, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just important that we really, really protect ourselves and know who we're talking to. And the biggest thing that I was taught was if I hear something to always take it back and ask for confirmation in my heart, that mm-hmm. I feel it, that I don't just make sense of it or it doesn't feel okay, but I actually feel that peace and harmony from heavenly father. And he has done that. I have repeated my questions and asked if I can fill it with peace and harmony. And I have. Or if I haven't, I've let it go and discerned that it's not truth. So anyway, I just wanted to share that because this is a really important part that you're talking about. And this is for all of us to really think about the questions that we want to take to the Lord. And they get deeper and deeper and deeper as you seek them out. So anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that's another lesson that we learn in this chapter as well. When Satan comes to to fight Abraham and... um, over his very life here on on the bottom of 147 and, and 148 um that as he is trying to seek this the lord uh lays out a, a new uh sacrifice for him to complete and 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 then what happens satan uses these birds of prey and it might be satan himself who knows but these these birds of prey start swooping down and um try attacking him trying to thwart the moment that abraham is having and then literally he is much like joseph smith in in the grove being attacked um and he no longer has strength and um uh, apparently quoting the abrahamic text here um telling that the angels of righteousness and of iniquity disputed over abraham each band wishing to claim him for his own company and I, I find that so insightful that you know, we have that pattern with Moses, with Joseph Smith, with Job, uh, here with Abraham, that uh, Satan obviously doesn't want us to have these high experiences. And so um, he works in many different means, like you, the example that Stacia shared, that um, that uh, being deceived uh, by an angel of light versus um, this actual physical uh, attacking that, that happened. But how great the promise is of the Abrahamic covenant that he, God, will fight our battles. And that can be in wartime, that can be in our own personal battles with Satan, that he will send help always. Those that be with us are more than they that be with them. And, and here, uh, uh, jumping ahead there on, on 148, that at that terrifying moment, Abraham heard the voice of God directing an angel to go and strengthen him. I, I find that just so peaceful. Like as Joseph Smith was, was praying with all the intensity of his heart for uh, deliverance, uh, he thought he was going to succumb to this this evil force. That that here we have the the pillar of light uh, motif here. And and who does he send? Um, the Abraham even heard God call the angel by name Yahuel. Um, and and it's it's Enoch using that divine investiture of uh, of Christ, and so um, Enoch comes and and casts out Satan. Depart from this man, depart, for you can never lead him astray. Then Enoch extends his right hand to Abraham, um, and uh, whisks him away. I guess <laughs> for lack of a better word, and and. and is the um, messenger that, that brings him into the presence of God for this grand experience here. I find it so insightful um, that anytime that we're on the right path, you can know you're on the right path by how hard the adversary works to get you off of the path, how hard the deceit comes in, how hard the, the attacks come in. But that is why God covenants with Abraham and all of his posterity that he will fight our battles. When we're at our lowest, when we can't fight any more, when we can't muster the strength or, or we think that all is lost, God will fight our battles when we're keeping the covenant. That's a huge blessing that, that comes out of um, this, this grand Abrahamic covenant, uh, letting God prevail in our lives very um, realistically. Um, so, yeah, what else do we... Um, 
uh, learn from, from this whole experience of Abraham's preparation up until now to actually receiving this grand vision. Um, I, I find that there's lots of different patterns and parallels to all of our, our, our prophets in different ways, but most is, is Joseph Smith. Uh, Abraham and Joseph Smith are just kind of like kindred uh, prophets here. They, they have so much in common, very, um, very much repeating the, the same story, with, just with different actors kind of a thing. Um, but, but yeah, uh, we have... Cameron, yeah. another part of the, your assignment is to, about the uh, three Nephites and John Beloved and, and the choices that were given to them. Um, like the, with the conversation with uh, Jesus and uh, Peter, James and John, and he's given them a choice. Hey, you wanna go directly after this life, you want to go directly in, uh, into God's presence or, or, or do you wanna stay on earth and be translated and, and help uh, the people of the earth, you know, and uh, and we know that Peter and James chose to go into the presence of God, and and John wanted to stay. We have the same example with the three Nephites. Well, the twelve Nephite, uh, uh, nine of them wanted to go directly into the presence of God, and the three wanted to stay. And the ones that wanted to stay on the earth, he he calls beloved. Mm-hmm. And my friend, and he, when you see friend or beloved in the scripture, you know that they've been translated. Mm-hmm. And it, he's really pleased when people want to be that. It'd be quite the choice, mm-hmm. but I would, I would want to stay. I would like to, to um, stay and witness the things that transpire at that lead up to the second coming. I would love to be here when that happens. And I'm getting of an age that I'm just like, I'm gonna have to be translated to do that, I think, but I don't know. But anyway, I would love to, I would love to stay for all that. It fascinates me. In our last group uh, at six o'clock, we, uh, Laura posed the question. So she's like, well, I want to be translated. What about you all? Like, do you want to be translated? Or if this was posed to you, would you want to be caught up quickly to his presence and stuff? And it was very interesting. Um, a few people that hadn't participated uh, much in the past or whatever were just perking up all over the place. <laughs> and, and I found it very interesting that um, everybody has very strong desires uh, one way or another and stuff. But uh, the translation is quite a, a prominent one, obviously. We, we all kind of come from a more awake stance and, and yearning to, to be part of the 144,000 kind of thing. But yeah, if anybody wants to comment on that, what they would like and, and stuff that you're more than welcome to, but uh, just throwing that out there. Um, it's interesting because when you, when you start to seek your role and you start to understand, um, you know, your, your design mm-hmm. and, um, and it's interesting because so many of us have the same design, right? There's a lot of roles. It's not like my role is the only role or your role is the only role. You know what I mean? Like we, there are many of us that are fulfilling the same role. And it's so beautiful when you're in alignment with people and you're like, okay, you're a sister that I'm going to work with. Like we got the same role, you know, it's just really mm-hmm. neat to like figure that out. But the interesting part that I've been stuck on the, probably the last two weeks, which is funny that I didn't know that you really had put that as a challenge, but my, I thought I really knew what I would ask. I mm-hmm. thought I had it all down. I was like, yeah, got it. You know, and now it's changing, it's shifting. And so it's interesting how our desires and I guess our patterns, you know, are there to help launch us into even more. And so it's just, I don't know. I, I really thought that I had it and that was like the end goal. And now I'm like, oh wait, it's actually way more than that. And so 
I'm like, do I sit down with the Lord with a list and be like, okay, here it all is, but it all ties into one thing. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to ask because I got so many things. Uh-huh. So it's a little stressful, but you know, we got time. <laughs> so. Yeah, Figuring out our individual missions and stuff, like taking our patriarchal blessings and different personal revelations we've received through the years, and then trying to to reconcile that list with our wants and desires and seeing if they align with God's and stuff. It's quite the, the daunting process and really uh, coming to, to hear him as President Nelson is, is getting us uh, awakened to that, that, uh, that sense of urgency there. It's so, I don't know, it, it's a long and arduous process, but it's so fun at the same time, like hearing him and finding out what our individual missions are and, and connecting with those around us as we're, we're starting to wake up to the, 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 um, the rapidity of the second coming and, and things. I, I find it so fun. Well, Cameron, I think it's um, a thing we need to make sure that we consider is um, if we are one of those that goes, yeah, I want to be translated. I want to stay here or whatever. We need to ask ourselves why. Mm-hmm. Do we want to stay because we're afraid of leaving? Do we want to stay because we're going to, you know, We'll have su- certain superpowers, right? The go, and that's kind of cool. <laughs> or do we want to be translated because um, we want to bring glory to the Lord? Mm-hmm. We want to bring people to the Lord. We want to um, help rescue people, right? It, are we doing it for the great, fun, wonderful things that are cool that we want for ourselves? Or do we want it for the Lord? And I think that's our key, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, each person has to answer that question. But I've, I've heard so much about it lately. It's almost become like the cool thing to ask for or to yeah. want, you know, and everything. Exactly. But we really need to stop and think, why? Mm-hmm. You know, um, we, had a, we had a missionary um, give his return home talk today. He came home at the beginning of COVID almost a year ago, and they just now got him today. But uh, his talk was really good because he talked about how you need to find the why first. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing something? And then, you know, the what and the how and the when will come after that. But you've got to start with your own why. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there you go. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Cameron, I think uh, I think what's been said is really good. I think if you look at Abraham's situation, what he'd always wanted was to go to the city of Enoch. He'd looked for the city of Enoch for so long. And so that probably made the decision a bit harder. And yet with the promise from the Lord of his posterity and what he could do for the earth, that... For each of us, that choice would be different, but mm-hmm. um, I think we just listen to what the Lord wants us to do, and uh, we'll be better off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And, like and the Lord had had chosen Abraham to be the the father of nations, and and mm-hmm. so, of course, uh, even though that was a difficult thing for him to give up his desire that he'd always wanted to be involved and to find that city of Enoch, it's still it was the best choice for him and each Mm -hmm. of us have to make our own choice exactly and and aligning it with god's role for us like you said that you know he was already chosen to be the father of many nations and and things you know uh, i can imagine as he's learning about enoch zion and stuff and like oh yeah i want to be translated and, and be taken up there and then um, you know, it's not necessarily a great disappointment or anything, but his his desires and stuff really start shifting because, like, if he would have had kids all along and, and gotten the uh, promise that he would be the father of many nations, and he'd be like, okay, yeah, but I still want to be translated. It almost had to come through this specific way of like, okay, I'm going to hold off on, on the kids front so that you get there and and realize that translation isn't what is in store for you you're going to have so much more uh blessing to the earth and to building zion this way than than the enix city of zion way 
kind of thing. And so uh, just in our own lives, seeking that and, and seeking the Lord's will, we know that um, translated people or people that have um, sought higher blessings of the Lord, um, uh, especially those that have translated, we, we get it kind of lined out in scripture, but they will not ask amiss. In, in order to get the sealing power um, that, that you won't ask anything that God wouldn't do. And that's when the, the sealing power comes in to, to seal on earth as it is in heaven and, and et cetera. And so I think that, that those blessings start coming in, uh, in and, and because of that, that power that you're drawing down from heaven, um, that you won't ask amiss, that um, the things that the Lord wants for you is what uh, aligning our will with his, I guess, basically in, in a nutshell there. You know, this is a minor example, but at one point in time, I was called to be um, Relief Society president, and I was at the front of the chapel when I gave my names of my two counselors to the bishop. Um, we were taking flowers out from a funeral, and by the time I walked to the back of the chapel, the Lord had told me, mm -mm, that's not right. And I turned around and said, hey, can I change that? And he said, yeah. And he knew who the counselors were supposed to be. Uh, yeah, and yeah. when I changed it, he said, that's right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I mean, I think that's the confirmation you will get from the Lord when you mm -hmm. make the right choice. And he might sit there a few minutes and let you think about yeah. it. And then... Um, you'll make the right choice. And when you do make that right choice, you'll say, yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'll know it and you'll get a confirmation uh, whichever way that that, it, um, that he needs you to, to go. I love that. Um, well, and just like sum it up super quick is what Nancy said about all glory goes to God, all glory. And when we take ourselves out of the equation of what, it, what our role is, it has nothing to do with us. Like wherever we're needed, we have to be in the place of this is my desire. But if you need me to be over here, just pushing paper or whatever you need. Yes, I am that girl, wherever you need me. And so all glory to God and being in alignment with what you said, his will. It's not our will. It's not really ours. It's being in alignment with his will. And can we give all glory in everything we do every day to God and take no glory upon ourselves? So I love, I love both of those two pieces. I would, that's like exactly the, the recipe to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, then, uh, was it in this chapter? I can't remember, I've read so many things that, that Abraham will come back and be with the city of Zion. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's toward but, the end of the chapter. On Earth, not, not He'll be here when uh, Enoch comes down or after he comes down. Uh, yeah, on page 155, 156, um, that, that part of the, the Lord's covenant with Abraham is to actually return in the latter days when Enoch Zion returns to earth. He's not meant to be caught up to, to heaven or to uh, the place where the city of Enoch resides, but uh, he will return and still be part of Zion here. And won't that be such a fun day? Like as we're, we're building Zion in all of our different ways and, and things that, that in this life, not just sometime in the eternities, but we'll get to, to meet Abraham and see him building Zion in, in, in action, whether that's uh, preceding the, the second coming or in the millennium, I don't know, but, but he will be part of the, the Latter-day Zion. I think that's so awesome. Um, yeah, so Can I have a question about that, Cameron. Yeah, I today I was actually wondering, and maybe someone here has the answer. Um, you know, it says that that Christ will come when every ear has heard the gospel. So, is that does that mean like is that still when the gathering is happening and when Jesus still comes to the earth? Does that make sense? So I'm just trying to figure out when that timeline is. That's not till the very end. 
end that they're talking about that, right? Like mm -hmm. when the burning of the earth happened. That's a good question. Or is that before he even, you know, before the second coming begins? Does anybody know that answer? Yeah, I, I, I don't. No. <laughs> okay. I thought I used okay. to, but I've heard, I mean, I've read yeah. some things that kind of seems like it's before, so I don't what know. What have you heard? Well, I used okay. to think that. But you've heard both? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to think it was when he came that um, his glory, uh, well, like he takes the, the celestial and terrestrial ones up, and then the, the earth is, is cleansed there of all the telestial. But I've read some other things that kind of seems like it might be a little prior to that. But I don't know. I really don't know. Got to do more study on, on that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've kind of heard it both ways and stuff. And where? Sorry, I, I cut you off. No, go ahead. My my computer is so weird today. Just no, keep going. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So like somebody uh, was just that I was talking to this last week where saying that, well, you know, some of the prophets have said that the gospel has made it into all of the, the countries and stuff with the, the development of technology and things. And one way or another, we've, everyone's heard of the gospel. Um, but I'm like, I, I, I don't know, that seems not like it's tying directly to that prophecy. And so I have a hard time kind of melding the, the two different uh, ideas and stuff. I, I, I don't know quite for, um, a surety kind of thing yet on on any given way but yeah well from things i've been learning lately um i i've learned that the the time of ephraim um is going to end like the the missionaries will be brought home they're the fishers of men that's been out there uh uh teaching and preaching, uh, but they're the fishers. And then uh, I've heard that the, there's uh, hunters of men, and that's the ones that are translated that will be able to go out because they do have the powers that they do and portals to get to these elect that are in the far corners of the earth can't be reached other ways and and they'll be brought in by the hunters of men mm -hmm. well and so it talks about how um i think the words i saw today specifically said they will know of christ um and i don't the way I read it was more that they know of Christ, not necessarily the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. And so do you have, does anyone know anything specifically on that? Um, I mean, the only thing that comes to mind is like the scripture, like every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Christ kind of a thing versus, um, you know, not everyone will be part of the true church, but at least every uh, tongue will confess that Jesus is the Christ, but I don't know. Yeah, so I just, I guess I would, I need to search it out. I, I just was, it was in our Sunday school um, today, and it just got me thinking about a couple of different things, and, you know, the 144 will be here, you know, doing missionary work, gathering those who, you know, aren't awake quite yet, and, and so it makes sense that there is still missionary work happening in that process right and so i don't know i just it got me thinking about a couple of different things but mm -hmm. yeah yeah great questions when you find out the answer let us know <laughs> um so yeah going to like uh page 147 there's this interesting um uh exchange before um satan attacks him and everything as he's preparing to uh to ascend to heaven that the Lord um, uh, tells him a certain uh, sacrifice to perform in order to receive these higher blessings. And so on 147, the kind of the top of that, 
I'm just kind of reading parts of it because I think it's so interesting how he details this out. That the story of the ascent begins when the Lord instructs Abraham to prepare himself and everything necessary, or as in our modern vernacular, prepare every needful thing to make a solemn sacrifice of several kinds of animals and birds, the sacrificial creatures of the future Jerusalem temple. And in that sacrifice, the Lord promised, I will set out for you the secrets of the ages and tell you hidden things, and you shall see great things which you have not seen. For you have loved me to seek me out, and I have called you my friend or my beloved. I find that very intriguing that this specific kind of sacrifice that he's going to delineate out here is uh, equivalent to our, our modern temple uh, rituals and sacrifice here. That uh, obviously we don't separate the birds and walk through them and all these uh, animals and everything, but yet we, we have the same blessings coming out of a modern uh, version of this ordinance here. Um, and even with the same kind of uh, vocabulary, prepare every needful thing and, and then you will receive the secrets or the mysteries or the hidden things of, of the kingdom kind of thing. And then the sacrifice was to be performed strictly according to the Lord's instructions while Abraham was fasting, a house of fasting, a house of prayer, etc. In the place which I will show you on a high mountain, after all the preparation, as Abraham stood in the appointed place, he took the sacrificial beasts and cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. And then when the animals are halved and laid opposite each other, and when the partners of the covenant stride through the lane that has been thus formed, they express thereby a curse upon themselves in the event that the covenant is broken. In, as, in essence, saying, may the deity chop the covenant breaker into pieces like these animals. And, you know, if anybody has gone through the, the endowment long ago before the, the changes in, in the 70s, that um, we have very similar intonations there. Um, but it, it's interesting that this is all playing out much prior to um, the Levitical law, where they're making sacrifices of beasts and animals and things. And, and he's doing this. Uh, last chapter, as we were talking, he's building an altar at many of these sacred spots throughout the land of Canaan and building altars, making sacrifices. Long before we have the Levitical law and the uh, burnt offerings, meal offerings, trespass offerings, etc. Um, uh, he's, he's laying these things out for people, but this one is very much the, the higher law of the temple ordinances that, that we... Um, have restored in these latter days, it just in a different way, not with these blood sacrifices, but, but different elements of sacrifice. And then Satan comes in and, and, and swoops in, tries to thwart this um, covenant making. And um, don't we see that a lot with our, our modern temple attendants? Uh, well, not like right now, but like anytime we're going to the temple, isn't Satan always there breaking down your car or causing a fight or whatever? Like, <laughs> the birds are always a swooping when we're trying to attend the temple, trying to make covenants, trying to bring others to Christ, uh, help them to make covenants, etc. Like Satan's always there trying to, to thwart things. Um, but I, I found that so interesting as uh, studying this, this chapter, this is all about uh, Abraham. He, he's received the endowment before, but this is the actual um, this is like the second endowment or second comforter when he's actually receiving these blessings. He's actually being taken up to the presence of God, meeting him face to face and, and receiving this into to his life. Whereas before, he was just getting promised these things. Um, he has seen God face to face, etc. But but this is the actual bestowal of those blessings, the becoming a king and a queen uh, kind of motif here. I find that very interesting and in that uh, God in his mercy uh, sends an angel of the presence, Enoch, to, to minister, to cast out and to bring Abraham into the presence, um, uh, into the, the holy presence. As uh, we've talked about in previous chapters, apocalypse actually means uncovering, apo meaning un or undoing of something, and then calypse meaning the covering. So this is literally the unveiling of Abraham to, to God. So um, apocalypse often has the, the connotation of, ooh, the end times apocalypse. But 
apocalypse literally just means the unveiling of something. The uh, anytime we uh, unveil our faces or uh, unveil a mystery of the kingdom, that's an apocalypse to us. Um, and then we have this strange yeah. appearance. Of, uh, oh, sorry, cut you off. I'm sorry. Uh, I just need to ask there, you're talking about the apocalypse of Abraham, and I read that and highlighted quite a lot on that. Um, boy, love this chapter. Sorry. <laughs> That's boy. Uh, it says the text is the apocalypse of Abraham, which appeared for the first time in English in the improvement era. Uh, but it doesn't give a footnote there. And I just wondered if you knew when or anything. And then it says at the present time, except for the book of Abraham and Genesis, the apocalypse of Abraham is undoubtedly our most important ancient Abrahamic text. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna like butcher the actual source of this. It, it says it somewhere in this book and it has the, the actual footnote of that improvement era thing. Um, okay. And I believe Elle has shared it to, to the group before. Um, the but, reason, well, mm -hmm. I'm on um, a Nook and I, mm -hmm. it, it didn't have a footnote there. Uh-huh, so yeah. It's somewhere in another chapter. Is it? Okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, basically the, the story in a nutshell is that um, I, I believe it was in California. Um, part of the Apocalypse of Abraham was published in German or, or something like that. And somebody from the church found it and asked the translator if they could publish it in English in, in our magazine, The Improvement Era. And that was allowed. And so it was the very first time that the entire text was in English. Um, and that was restored to, to our church in The Improvement Era and published in its entirety. Um, many other English translators have translated it since then. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, was it originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic? Um, I don't know. It was either like an Ethiopic or Coptic text. I'm not entirely sure. That's where I'm butchering it. But um, this person had translated it into a German and was kind of putting out parts of the German translation out there. And so um, that's when uh, our church uh, found it and, and brought it into English from that, that German. Um, but it has since been translated from its original into English directly and a little bit uh, improvement on the translations here and there. Um, but yeah, I will go ahead and share that on the group again. Um, uh, I'll find it. I, I'm pretty sure Elle was the one that shared it. Um, that actual text of the um, Apocalypse of Abraham from the improvement era. Um, and you can, can read it from there. And it has the little history of how that came to be. I, I kind of butchered that, but um, yeah, very interesting story that that would be uh, revealed to the saints in English um, first. That, that I don't think that's a coincidence at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, another quick question. Um, in that same paragraph in the beginning, he talks about um, how Abraham was not on the earth when he saw the vision. So did he do the sacrifice on the earth and then he ascended or he was already, or he ascended and he did the sacrifice there? I was a little confused. Great question because it kind of presents it a little bit out of order, but I think that uh, it was completed on the earth and then there was the wrestle with Satan kind of thing. And then Enoch was sent and brought him into the presence of the Lord. That's how I understood it. Um, because I don't think that he would necessarily be doing sacrifices in heaven of beasts and yeah, stuff, I but I don't know. Yeah. That would be a great question for E. Douglas when he comes on. <laughs> but yeah, that's how I, I kind of understood it, that it was done on earth and then the vision was actually in heaven. The, the blessing of that covenant making um, was there. And interesting to note- um, if, that a pattern? Oh, sorry. No, you're good. I was just gonna say, isn't that the pattern that the Lord communicated to them? Like that was the pattern was you needed to sacrifice in order to receive those higher um, answers or revelation. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah. right? It's like when Moses comes off Mount Sinai, he would like, this is, I think this is a direct quote. <laughs> I need to work on my memorization skills, but he would that all his people were prophets. And so he um, prayed and, and got revelation how to, to bring Israel 
into the presence of God and we make them prophets and, and get them to the same uh, levels of understanding that Moses was at. And so um, that's why these, these sacrifices were implemented in, in great detail and lined out line by line, what we do, how we do it and, and things. And then all of that changes and, and, and um, uh, morphs as Christ completes the sacrifice and we learn it uh, a new and, and holier way um, after him. But, but yeah, that's exactly the, the purpose of, of some of these things. You do the, the right sacrifice at the right time at the right place, then you're going to get the blessings. Um, that was um, uh, my, my class on the uh, truths on Eden. Um, that's where we get like the whole red heifer, like all of the sacrifices lead to the red heifer and then the red heifer at the right time at the right place um, with the right sacrifice is what brings the blessing kind of a thing. Um, yeah, where do we go from here? Um, like, am I still on? Yeah, uh, President Nelson, uh, he tells us that we... We need to sacrifice something, you know, this is back when we still had, was able to go to the temple, he said, sacrifice to go to the temple, make sacrifices of that, but we can do the same thing. Now he's telling us while we're not able to go to the temple to uh, work on the family history, family search, and uh, sacrifice our time and whatever to in order to do that, that mm -hmm. sacrifice is a big part of this whole. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, so then we're having Enoch take uh, Abraham up into to heaven, to God's throne and, and sees miraculous things and, and the future of, of the earth. Um, but I find it interesting on the top of 151, uh, in between the, those footnotes, 89 and 90, um, where, uh, well, I guess not right in between those footnotes, but um, where Abraham has an interaction with all three members of the Godhead, um, with the Holy Ghost, with Christ, and with, with Elohim. And um, where's the quote that, that talks about Joseph Smith? Oh, we also know from Joseph Smith's writings that Abraham ended up with such a knowledge of the Godhead that he wrote about each of them and their individual functions and relationship. I'm like, oh. as soon as I read that, I was like, I want to read like what Abraham actually wrote about all three of those. Like, I want to hear what he has to say about the Holy Ghost and things. Like, I'm so excited to to get the restored uh, information, uh, the writings of Abraham. I mean, we have some parts here and there, and they're, they're uh, they seem to be coming out a lot throughout this past century, but. There, there's even more. There's the book of wisdom that, that he brings down from heaven that um, we can have. Um, I, I mean, we have the Safari Yitzhira that, that kind of explains some of that, but I, I don't think that it's in its fullness or its entirety yet. Um, I, I'm looking forward to, the, to that being revealed uh, to get the, to know the deity in greater context and detail. Um, let's see, where is the description on page 149 he describes Enoch's appearance very distinctly it's it's interesting I got up and looked at him who had taken my right hand and set me on my feet and his body was like sapphire and his face was like crystallite and the hair of his head like snow and there was a linen band around his head it was like a rainbow the robes he was wearing were purple and he had a golden staff in his hand like obviously that's symbolic he's not looking at some smurf with some rainbow bandana on but yet, there it's it's shrouded in, in some definite symbolism here that is is very interesting. I wondered if anybody had any insights into that. I'm sure my little weird opinion on it, but does anybody have any insights into what that all means? His body like sapphire, face like crystallite, etc. Uh, we were counting on well, you. Sapphire. What color is sapphire? <laughs> it's red. No, sapphire is blue. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Without totally diving into this, you know, we are made up of all the elements of the earth, right? Mm -hmm. And sapphire, all of these um, stones that are listed, 
even gold have very sacred properties, healing properties, uh, metaphysical properties that enhance us. And as we um, see, I mean, even the Urim and Thummim will come to us because it's ours, right? It's a piece of, of what we need, what we are. Mm -hmm. And so without really praying and meditating on my thoughts here, you know, to me, he, his body would acquire some of those, those traits that Sapphire brings and manifest in those colors because he is physically made up of those elements. Those mm -hmm. are parts of, of who he is and his strengths and his glory. So that would be my take on it is that he's gathered these glories from the crystallite and the um, Sapphire and the rainbow colors and purple is, is a godly color Mm -hmm. So, and then this, you know, a golden staff, what gold represents and how um, godly and how much strength comes from gold. All of those items have so much strength and beauty. Uh, for sure. And it's interesting that that's not like a resurrected being yet. We're talking about a translated being and he's acquiring and, and, and stuff like that. That's, that's very interesting. Well, I, I know for me, like I have been drawn to certain elements of the earth, certain minerals, certain stones certain crystals have have totally called to me and i know that i made up of some of those and so yes like it seems crazy and weird but we are we are all made up of those minerals that is what we came from and so yes it is weird but it's not it's totally not i mean it's normal mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah ironically it says that chrysolite is the seventh precious stone mentioned in the bible and it's cre used to create the foundation of God's new Jer Jerusalem. Wow. Where are you reading that from? Um, you know, it's interesting enough, it's called BibleStudy.org. And it actually tells you each of the gemstones that are listed in the Bible and each of the gemstones that are listed on, I forget who it is, Stacia, the breastplate of... Yeah, the Eve. Oh, yeah. Yes, um, sorry. Aaron's, Aaron's, robes, Aaron's robes have all of those um, gemstones on it. And it goes into detail what tribe they go to. It goes into detail why those, those stones belong to each of those tribes. And so. Mm -hmm. They're also used in the foundation of the, um, the celestial city, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep, to line the paths. And the temple, they're used to build the temple. They're used in the temple. There are Urim and Thummim are these crystals, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found um, it very- But yes, I will post that. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I love that website. It's it's a great tool. As I've been studying Daniel and, and teaching that class here locally and stuff, that's, I use that site extensively to pull from the, the new international version translation, the old Hebrew translation, using the concordance and everything. It's like the go-to website for, for understanding some of these Hebrew texts. I, I love it, totally recommend it. Um, but yeah, as I was studying that, my, my first thought was, oh, I've seen crystallite before and that's in the breastplate um, thing and sapphire, etc. And I'm trying to figure out kind of what the symbolism might be there. Um, but it really started coming to me when I took it and, and applied it to, to what Katrina was saying with the uh, building up of the, the eternal city and stuff. And that's in Revelation chapter 21. And um, it talks about the different directions and which direction, the cardinal directions that are associated with each of the things. And so Sapphire is in the East. East always represents God's presence. So Enoch's body is in God's presence. It's the Sapphire. And then his face is like crystal light. Crystal light is in the West, uh, meaning that it's, facing Abraham. So his body's in God's presence, facing Abraham, taking him by the right hand, etc. Um, and that his hair of his head is white and that the, the robes of purple, the purple is also the West that he has overcome the world, but yet he's still a translated being. He's from the world kind of a thing. Anyway, there's lots of interesting symbolism there that um, I find it interesting that Abraham is is really picking up on that and trying to um, tell others about it and, and tell them about it symbolically as well. I, I find it very interesting. Um, 
yeah so we're already over time dang it um well more to you got to put put all this stuff on our email again <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> exactly there's there's so much to study in here and everything but um yeah so just to kind of to wrap up on the the last part that i find so interesting i said it started out with a bang and it ends with a bang but we have the the last little part here where Abraham brings down this book, this the Tablets of Wisdom, um, and then the author pulls in um, this uh, connection here that the wise men who sought Jesus were using the, the book that Abraham brought down from heaven to find the Christ child. Very interesting insights there. And that, um, I don't know if any of you have uh, heard or, or this tangent either, but that the, the three wise men were actually three uh, people from this continent, uh, Lamanites, Samuel the Lamanites, Alma, other translated beings um, that were able to to go and find the Christ child and, and how that might fit in with it. Anyway, interesting deep dive study if anybody wants to go on that route. But this is very interesting that they called their religion uh, Kesha Ibrahim, the Creed of Abraham, and that they traced their religious books to Abraham who was believed to have brought them from heaven. According to this tradition, it was the books brought down from Abraham from the throne of Jesus, which guided the Magi to the manger to worship the infant king of heaven. I found that just so interesting and very enlightening as um, uh, we're just studying and learning more and more about each facet of the gospel, but how pivotal Abraham is into to everything that, that we know and um all of these different stories, they, they have parts of the Abrahamic covenant and um, really guide us in all ways to, uh, to Christ. Um, he really is the, the friend of, of God. Um, so quickly, I'll, I'll talk about the homework for, for next week, and then we'll pop back for last comments on, on this chapter. So for chapter eight, which is my second most favorite chapter of this book, um, uh, uh, a couple uh bullet points to, to maybe do is to make a list of all of the prophets who have pled for a group of people um, uh, or pled for the people as a whole. Um, they can be pleading for their dispensation or another dispensation, etc. but make a list of all of the prophets who plead not only for themselves and their family, but for the whole world or for their whole nation, etc. Um, i.e., Enos. Uh, he's a, a great example of, of praying for a group of people. And then um, a second point to ponder is we have Abraham who has two sons, uh, Isaac and Ishmael, and to look and ponder at what Ishmael's role is and Ishmael's descendants' role in the last days. Do we have any prophecies of them? What is their role because, I mean, they obviously come from, from Abraham's great magnanimous life. Um, yes, Isaac is the, the covenant child and the father and, and progenitor of the, um, of the 12 tribes, etc. Uh, later on down his, his line. But, but look at Ishmael and what things, what role his descendants have in the last days and how they will be fulfilling the, the, the covenant of Abraham as well. Um, uh, another interesting point, this isn't part of the homework, but to review Jacob's ladder um, uh, from Isaiah decoded or, or anywhere where you have delineated out uh, the ladder to heaven. And I, I think any of those things will help you really understand chapter eight in a more fuller, meaningful context. Uh, I love chapter eight. It's so fun. Um, but yeah, so last thoughts on, on chapter seven, things that we missed, passed over, great insights that you've had that you wanted to, to quickly mention before we, we, head, we head out. Cameron, did you uh, tell them about the author coming on on the 21st in this group? Did I not? Sometimes I, I forget which group. I you, you probably did. And I just like. Oh, yeah, I did because Jacob popped on uh, real quick. Okay. Okay, good. Okay, good. Cameron, I couldn't get in right at the first. Would you please repeat that? Uh -huh, yeah. So, um, Kayla, Jacob's wife, um, is related to the author of the Abraham book here. Uh, so E. Douglas Clark is coming on this, well, not on this Zoom, but on uh, Sunday, March 21st 
at 6 p.m. So the, the earlier Sunday group, um, he's coming on to do a question and answer with us to talk about the book, uh, lots of different things there. So um, it's going to be when we're, we, we're scheduled to do chapter 11 out of this book. So that'll get pushed back a week. Um, but yeah, he's, he's excited and, and willing to, to come and share uh, his knowledge and insights into this book. It's gonna be so fun and so excited. So can we get on at the six o'clock with everybody else? Oh yeah, for sure. Everybody, uh, all of, well, the eight o'clock session will be canceled that night. We'll still have the Tuesday one like normal, um, kind of discussing some of that stuff. But, but you're yeah. welcome to come on the six o'clock. Yeah, everybody come at, at the six o'clock class. It, it's only going to be available that one time. Um, I will, well, I don't know. I need to, to check with him before I say that we'll record it because he might not want it recorded or anything. I don't know. So um, we'll, more info on that. But yes, everyone come at six o'clock. Uh, try to schedule that um, out of your, your Sunday. I know it's kind of hard uh, with schedules trying to get everybody on the same page, but that was the time that, that he wanted to do it. And um, we're, we're grateful for, for him hopping on there and um, wanting to, to discuss with us. He's excited that, that people are studying about Abraham and willing to answer any questions we got. Great. Yep. All right. Yeah. Any last uh, comments on, on chapter seven or anything before we head out? What's your first favorite chapter? My first favorite chapter is chapter seven. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, on the, the bottom of 145, I put the most important part of this whole book for me. Uh, not, it was just chapter seven is, is awesome. Seven and eight were, were life-changing for me. Every time I read them, it always keeps coming back to seven and eight. And, um, you know, it might not be for everyone. I, I don't know. But um, those ones were really... Um, mind opening to what my personal mission and my personal relationship with God and Savior and my purpose in prayer, etc. Like everything changed uh, based on, on seven and eight from for me. I don't know. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, Stacia well, says, Lord, Shannon, I love your picture of Christ. I, one time I looked over right as we were starting the, the group session or whatever. And I, I don't know, I just didn't see Shannon's uh, Heather or whatever. And I was like, oh, Christ <laughs> signed on to our, our group session. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. That's a, that's a nice picture. Yeah. And I think her husband even popped in for a, a quick appearance there. <laughs> it's fun to see different families pop in sometimes during the Zoom chats. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah, with that, we'll, we'll disband and we'll, we'll pick up with chapter eight next week. It's going to be fun. All right. We'll see you guys later. Okay. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you.